0: I am so happy you're here tuning in to the Life Creation podcast. Today I have Shelly Sharon back on the podcast, and this episode is a little different as it is more of a conversation between Shelly and myself and less of an interview. The episode is also a little bit longer than normal, but trust me, full of amazing insights and I'm absolutely thrilled to share it with you. Shelley was my very first guest on the podcast, and if you have not listened to that episode yet, you will find the link in the show notes also there lots of wisdom in there. As we are mentioning at the beginning, we caught ourselves a few weeks ago talking about this topic of how challenging it can be to ask for help. We knew right then that we actually need to record this. So this happened. So before we dive right in, just to give you a little more detail on Shelley, She helps women who have been around the block with healing and self-growth when they want to deal with challenging feelings so they can deepen their self-trust and expression and feel deeply at home with themselves. Shelly is originally from Israel and together with her two cats, she and her partner call Zurich home now. So with no further ado, here is our conversation. Shelly, it's really good to have you back on the Life Creation Podcast and sitting with you on the floor of my bedroom.
1: (laughs) It's absolutely exciting to be here and I'm also very excited about what we're going to do here together. Very excited. So as always, we'll
0: do this or that first, a little bit different than normal because this is a different kind of format like I introduced in the intro. So I'll let you kick it off with asking me the first this or that.
1: Okay, Andrina. Bath or a shower? Shower. Book or movie? Oh gosh, I'm going to have to choose both. But okay, book first.
0: <laughs> Sounds good.
1: Um, oh, roses or sunflowers?
0: 100% sunflowers. Really? Yes.
1: I thought otherwise... Mm. Interesting.
0: Mountains or ocean?
1: Mountains with a lake. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, coffee or tea?
0: Coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's do one more each. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings.
1: Damn, I wanted to ask you that. You can ask me the same. Okay. Um, Harry Potter. And Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I think I
0: will go with Harry Potter too.
1: Okay. Well, we're on the same page on that and on many things. So
0: others. it is. <laughs> so we're here today because... A few weeks ago, you came over and we had tea and we had a beautiful catch up and the topic of asking for help and there may be challenges around that, especially in current times, but I don't think only in current times, came up and we talked about it. And this is how we then decided to do this podcast together again. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can talk a little bit about what we talked then and what's on your mind about this topic right, right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't swear that I remember what we spoke <laughs> then, but I think really what what is... Um pronounces this particular time with the COVID that there are so many unexpected changes and whether you have enjoyed this period of time or you suffered in it, it was very abrupt. It really kind of like cut through the narrative of our lives. And it seems like there are more people who need some form of help. But because we live in a culture that just doesn't encourage asking for help then we got to speak about that difficulty of asking for help and we thought, hmm, that will be a very interesting topic to talk to people about that and to see why is it like that and how can we help people to feel more comfortable and probably more safe asking for help. Yeah, because it is a very vulnerable
0: situation and I think and we'll go a little bit into more detail on that, but also that thing of not even knowing that I maybe need help, and then how to ask for help, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: So, for you, do you remember? And you asked me the question right before, so I'm going to ask you the question now. Do you remember the first time you asked for help?
1: Mm-hmm. I do actually. And it's a very interesting link to what you said earlier that we sometimes don't even know that we need help. Mm -hmm. So how it happened to me um, was I was sitting with a, a good friend of mine in the times when I was a dancer. We were after a dance class and we were sitting in the street and just on a bench and just having a sandwich or something. And she began to talk to me about the latest insights that she had from her meeting with her psychologist
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I was listening very carefully now. I have to say that I uh, My mother has been suffering from mental illness More or less since I know her So I went with her to a lot of psychiatrists and social worker and for me this whole helping profession was a taboo. They failed.
0: Yes. Mm, interesting. They couldn't yeah.
1: help my. They couldn't help my mother, right? They were all Ooh, just yeah. you know, just talking and and not really doing anything. And even the medications and all the crises my mother had. So I never really thought about asking for help because whom are you going to ask for help if that's the kind of background that you have? So when when I, when I sat with my friend I was kind of like, you know, very curious and we both come from a similar background and we were very good friends, so I knew that I can kind, of kind of like trust her. And then she said, you should try her out. Mm-hmm. okay. And I went silent completely. But she kind of like, you know, she she slipped her her telephone number to me. And a few days later I decided to give that woman a call and it really changed my life wow yeah yeah and I have to add to that 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 maybe will bring us into the next uh, the next topic or the next kind of like link into how we actually know that we need help because by that time I was about 25 I um, suffered from nightmares every day, I was married unhappily, I um, was kind of like in the bridge between stop dancing and maybe thinking about going into a bachelor degree and I really didn't think that I need help. Mm -hmm. So now I'm really curious when was your first time that you asked for help and how that was for you? Well, you just witnessed um, before we
0: hit record that I really had to reflect on that. And it was when my skin rashes started and I was in kitchen internship from hotel school. And, you know, I woke up one morning with, swollen feet, swollen hands. My si- my lips are like three times the size and I couldn't see out of my eyes. So, you know, the first point of help was the doctor. And what I then with this whole journey that I went through that really eventually pulled me into the direction of coaching, really, is that I didn't get the help that I needed, right? And I was in such a vulnerable position that I needed and wanted answers. And I wanted to believe what the medical profession, whether that was like school medicine or alternative, like I went to, it felt like everybody. And, you know, every time I wanted to believe that they had the answers for me to get well. With them a lot of times, not really getting the answers. So it was a a long journey and a self-discovery and finding my own answers really at the end. And now I believe that each of them, of course, had their part to play, right? And helped me, maybe not 100%, or the way I wanted it at that point. Um, But yeah, so that was my first time asking for help and definitely the beginning of asking help and thinking now actually because probably I asked so many people for help (laughs) at that point Mm -hmm. um now I don't really have that big of a challenge asking for help Mm -hmm. right so because I feel like I've asked a lot of people for help like in a I mean, there's always different situations, but especially on a professional level, like going to a coach or, um, yeah, even on, on a medical level. right? Yeah,
1: yeah I think that, that once you begin, and especially when you see the positive effects on, on your life, then it becomes easier and that fear reduces a lot. Um, it's interesting for me actually to notice that I was looking for a therapist over the past few months. I'm I'm studying this um Hakomi therapy, so I just wanted to be a practitioner as well to, you know, not practitioner, sorry, to be a client as well mm-hmm. to to perhaps, you know, step into these shoes and and go through all the issues that somehow resurface again and to enjoy the benefits from having the same practice that I'm learning to become as a therapist. And I want to acknowledge that, that for me, the vulnerability of reaching out to a stranger and begin to talk about the most intimate issues of my life, um, it was there. You know, the, the awareness of that vulnerability was there. So it's not that I'm hesitant around reaching out for a therapist or a coach when I need it. But I am aware of that vulnerability. And I think it's probably important for all of us, including myself, to hear that, that there is something very real about that. that you, absolutely. You, right? To no, go absolutely. to someone, somebody that you don't know how do you even begin where do you begin and how are you going to react and i think that's a a really
0: good you know point of like yeah where where to even begin with my story where do i even and, and maybe we've told our story a lot of times maybe it's the first time both of it can be challenging and Yeah, to complete stranger, pretty much opening up your heart and and being in that wounded space, maybe. But also, I think what's also sometimes not even easy is how to articulate what's going on. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Like there can be like a sense of overwhelm, a sense of fogginess, like frozen right like a coping and i mean and i think you know circling a little bit back to the situation we're currently and i think there is a lot of coping happening and it's i mean we see that in in animals when they are um in shock right They that they they go into a frozen state because it's it saves their lives
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and i think we human do the same
1: right yeah yeah, and that could perhaps be already a point to sort of like a tip. Yes. That, um, we like tips. <laughs> so, um, an experienced practitioner and a practitioner for whatever profession, uh, from a helping profession is, would understand what you're talking about, even if you gibberish, right? Totally. Because they've been there themselves, mm-hmm. they've done the work, and they have experience, so they've worked with many people and they have this, you know, seen the patterns, which is where the framework for an experienced practitioner comes. So if we approach someone and we're not so concerned about being so clear, being so coherent, and how you said, like, how do where do I start? You know, you just start from right now what is your what troubles you what concerns you what you're suffering from and even if you're not clearing your thoughts if it's a good practitioner they will get you and they will help you have that starting point and I think
0: sometimes when asking for help you know that first step of reaching out to somebody it's you know it's a big step and I think then also not losing the hope to maybe have to go to the next person
1: oh gosh I love that (laughs) thanks for saying that (laughs) yes it's just so important and I know that some people it's it's um, We all have that capacity for resilience. Some people are more awake for it and some people less. And what you just said is just so important. Can you say that again?
0: <laughs> Not losing hope to go to a next person if the person you're with right now in whatever coaching, massage, <laughs> doctor... Um, go to somebody else if your gut feeling
1: yeah.
0: is not going with it, right? It's not there. If And it doesn't even have to be... You don't even need to know why. If it doesn't feel right, next. Yeah. Yeah and that but that is not easy also because it takes energy
1: yeah yeah so maybe you take a pause yes and you kind of like reach the point where you feel okay now I have the energy again to look for something else and then you look for something else absolutely
0: and I also think I mean you know I remember when I started working with you right and you said come we'll meet for an hour and we talk right and I do the same with my clients because I think it's so important it's such a personal match Mm -hmm. right and it's not right it's it's personal but it's also not personal in a way you know it's it's it just has to it has to fit especially because it it is vulnerable it goes deep it is you know, you want to be able to feel comfortable to open up fully and completely
1: yeah. and
0: feel safe.
1: Yeah. And here I actually want to bring up the thing drum rolls money. Money. So when we bring healing and money together, when we bring spirituality and money together, mm-hmm. there is a lot of pain there because we have a lot of pain around money. We have a lot of unresolved issues around money, money is used mainly, not solely of course, but mainly as a vehicle for gaining power and we don't want to be in that room, in the same room of power and healing. So when we actually need to also pay for healing, whether it's a naturopath or massage or coaching or any kind of uh, therapy. Then I can totally understand that there is some form of contraction there. I know that for myself as a a practitioner, as a coach, you know, I had problems even asking for money. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because I was afraid that people will think that I'm trying to, you know, manipulate them or I'm just trying to score another client. And we both know that a lot of that is out there. I've been on countless free, quote unquote, so to speak, coaching calls or therapy calls that I felt that there is this pressure to get me into a decision. So what I do in those kind of like, what I call them, get together, I don't like call them discovery calls because I think there is, we're not really discovering much. You know what you're coming with. I know what I'm coming with. And maybe the discovery is, is around whether we are a good match, whether I can get you, as we mentioned earlier, whether I can make you feel safe, which is something that we're definitely going to talk more about. But what I'm saying in those get-together calls or meeting is that I don't need you and I don't want you to make a decision right now, to release that pressure right at the beginning, because it's not about that. It is about whether I can trust you and you can trust me. So if we think about money, not as a vehicle of gaining power or giving somebody else power over us, but as a vehicle of creating trust, Mm -hmm. that we're supporting each other, then this whole conversation around healing can be completely different but I know Mm. that it took me some time and some help to get into that perspective
0: well I think it's a big topic in general in you know the spiritual world or or community I think it's um, money has very often a bad reputation because it is power and power has a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. And I had this um, situation just recently, I needed help. (laughs) And it was about um, my apartment in Vancouver that I was selling and a friend of mine offered to help me. And she's a realtor, but she's also a friend. And I told her that I wanted to pay her. And I had to become very firm. And I noticed I got very emotional because it was very important for me to be able to pay her. And it was very hard for her to take the money. We found an agreement (laughs) that worked for both of us. But I think there is kind of two sides of it. One side is that maybe asking for money and um, giving money or paying can be difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think it also is, maybe also comes down to a little bit of the self-worth.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. in terms of me as a coach, me as a teacher, value myself, value my work, but also as a student and as a client, value myself to spend money on and value the work of somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So there is that that um, natural feedback and natural cycle of both receiving and giving, which is definitely the foundations of any form of healing and any form of asking. So when actually when you're asking something, it's never just about taking saving, but it's also giving another person the opportunity to help you. Mm-hmm. And if we don't think only about um, money-based transactions, even though your your example is really, really great. so I've had in the past several friends that have asked me to to help them and I said no yeah. because that was what's right for me. Yeah. I need you to be my friend. yes. And I need to protect my friends to be just as my friends. I completely agree. So there is that kind of very uh, clear cycle between giving and receiving. And what it brings up in me is the question, so when do I go ask for help? When do I need that? I ac- when do I know- how do I know that I actually need to ask for help now?
0: Very and good question.
1: I- right? Mm-hmm. So how do we know? How do we know that we really need to ask for help? One of the things that come to me first is these two extremes that, you know, came both in my personal example and your personal example. So in my personal example, I was completely, you know, oblivious to the fact that I actually needed help. (laughs) I was just getting used to the suffering. So you can, you know dear listener can ask yourself right now, is there something in your life that you just used to putting up with? Mm -hmm. And perhaps you can just bring a question mark there without pushing for anything, without coming to any conclusions, but just putting a question mark. Do I need to continue putting up with that? What is the price that I'm paying for putting up with that? Am I losing some balance? Like, do I need to give up on something that is really, really important to me within myself or in my life, like in the relationships or in my career or in my, you know, my, my general well-being, my peace of mind? And then there is also the other side of that, that scale, which is we're reaching a point of crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, falling apart, we just, you know, we, we, we can't take it anymore. We become very aggressive. We become very impatient. Um, we go into depression. Like, you know, waking up in the morning and we're completely swollen. Mm-hmm. And there is that extreme as well. And there are everything else in between that we can begin to pay attention to. If we bring into our awareness That asking for help doesn't mean shame, weakness, something's wrong with me, I didn't get it right, I don't do it right, and all the other friends of this this beautiful bunch. Well, I think that's um, a
0: really good point, because I think that whole thing of asking for help is a sign of weakness is still very much ingrained in our society. Because then the voice comes, I should know it, I should be able to handle it. All these you know, monkey mind (laughs) situations that come up. I've I've Uh,
1: been here so many times before.
0: Exactly. Who am I? Right? And I think also knowing that everybody has that.
1: Yeah.
0: To a certain extent. Yeah. Right? And... And just honoring also that, that those voices are also here, right?
1: Yeah, it's um, a What other people will say? Big one. What are my parents going to think of me? Gosh, I'm such a failure.
0: I'm such a failure.
1: How can I tell my partner mm-hmm. that I need to have some help with something and or favorite. that we, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: yeah right yeah like in terms of a situation as a couple
1: yeah right yeah and I love that you're saying that we all have that because you and I have that totally and we hear that from so many people and sometimes it's just useful to hear that it's kind of like these are normal voices because this is the kind of society that we live in. Mm -hmm. And I have kind of like an interesting thought about that aspect of society because one of the things that many people say is that we want to live in a society where we're all respected for who we are and what we are and we want to live in a society where um, asking for help is the kind of the normal, that it doesn't come with any label, we want to live in a society that you know what that getting help that is not necessarily conditioned by money, that if I don't have the money then 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 I have options to get the right help that I need Yes. and so that brings me into thinking about we're actually wanting to have a society of care.
0: <laughs>
1: Beautiful now. Yeah. And to have a society of care mean that means that I need to begin thinking about how do I contribute to society of care? And one of the things that we contribute is in learning how to ask for help. So learning how to ask for help and learning when is it that I actually need to ask for help can really help and you don't even know that you think that you're doing something for yourself but you don't even realize that there is a big shift that you're helping in creating to move into that society of care
0: yeah because it's the you know it's also the how the society in a way works right like it's we're talking Hear a lot about, you know, in terms of also, you know, healing, but in other situations is if you know, if I need help with my refrigerator, I also provide work for somebody who can come and help me with my refrigerator. Right? That's a very tangible and everyday well, hopefully not every day, we need help Mm -hmm. with the refrigerator but (laughs) situation. But I think it then maybe be what you say in terms of this society of care is also it takes the pressure hopefully out of asking for help a little bit out right it's that yes of course I, I, I do it for myself but I also do it in a way for the greater good
1: mm-hmm.
0: because It's going to help me asking for help and getting support. My life is going to change. Therefore, my surrounding is going to change. My relationships are going to change. It's a ripple effect. And at the same time, if I ask for support from a professional, her, his life is going to change.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And so sometimes that I, I, I give little bridges for people because maybe reaching out for a professional is difficult. Maybe uh, asking for help from your partner is difficult. Maybe from your mother or another family member or your friend is difficult. So what I what I... Suggest people to do is to be begin to kind of like have droplets of asking.
0: I agree mm-hmm. with
1: things that don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily related to our biggest pain point, like where it's most charged, it's more difficult. But actually, with with simple things, with simple things that you know, even if I can do them by myself, like for example, I'll ask my partner can you do the shopping today? I don't really have time or I don't really have mental space for that. Simple things. Simple things. Instead of kind of squeezing myself into yet another corner to put up with something that I'm used to put up with, again, not go into the most difficult things, but just get yourself into the habit, into the Mm -hmm. motion, into that bodily sensations of maybe your heart, beat moves a bit faster or maybe you kind of like feel the contraction in your stomach or you feel some stifling in your throat before you ask for help and you do that around things that seems to be doable to ask and safe
0: yeah because i think what also can happen is is that you know if like that biggest pain pain point that you mention or a pain point asking for help comes also with a lot of fear and probably also fear of rejection yeah. right so if we you know ask for help with something like for example asking what you said you know with your partner going for shopping the quote unquote success rate that he's going to say yes is very likely
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and then the subconscious is going to be like oh it's okay. It's safe to ask for help. Yeah. And practice that um, is brilliant, right? Because then it becomes almost a little bit of a habit to slowly, slowly ask for help, but maybe branch out to, to friends, to family. I do think sometimes, you know, when we talked about that before in terms of a complete stranger opening ourselves up and talking about our things, what's you know deep inside of us can be difficult. I do think sometimes that can also be easier, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it depends, right? Because it's also, I remember on one point, um, going through my divorce, I was like, I just want to talk to somebody neutral, mm-hmm. who doesn't know me, who doesn't know my ex. Doesn't know my family, just neutral ground, right? And that can be very freeing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't lean into uh, an agenda or an opinion that this is what you should do, but can can provide this kind of like more uh, neutral, but but safe is the definitely the the word and the concept that I will I will choose that makes us feel safe yes. that we can actually go through the different dilemmas or questions without pressuring us into uh, one particular direction. Which brings me into the next tip. Mm -hmm. If you feel in any kind of setting that you are being pushed towards one particular direction, one particular course of action, like this is the right thing to do, then you know that you're not in the right place and and i hear that from clients a lot that have had um different interactions with the therapists, you know different um helpers that at some point there was some kind of an agenda especially you know since many women who've had troubling relationships with their mother come to me I hear that they were advised that they need to forgive. Mm -hmm. And once they are able to forgive, then they will be healed, then they will be free from whatever they're suffering from. And I don't think that there is one formula that fits everyone, one size fits all. When it comes to asking for help, yes, there is something very specific that you need, but according to that, You can think whether this time I need somebody more neutral or this time I need somebody more close that actually knows me. So there are different options in different times.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Yeah. And also I think trying, and that's not always easy, when we're in a situation to still and very much trust our, our own intuition and our gut feeling and often when we are going through something that can be clouded and maybe we don't hear it or we don't know if we can trust it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I think also allowing to give time and mm-hmm. space
1: yeah and i think what you're also saying in that is that this is a lot governed by the fear of making mistakes Mm -hmm. like if i've chosen the wrong person Mm -hmm. then what does it tell about me right it happens to us a lot when with partners when we kind of like you know ended up in a in a bad place with our partners then there is the the self inference like what did i do wrong like the failure yeah And the same thing happens when uh, we reach the point where we feel, okay, that person is actually not helping me. I'm actually getting the the negative um, results. Not that I have exhausted everything that that person uh, was able to give me, but it's kind of like they're actually giving me a bad feeling or they're squeezing me into a place that I actually don't want to, to be in. And that fear of me mis- making a mistake is also a very natural part of, of, of our, you know, human emotions. Definitely comes from a society that always expects you to have it right. Just look at what happens in social media. Everything has to be looked so perfect and it taints our perception of reality. And it's interesting because that that is actually some form of control. So if I'm afraid of making mistakes, then there is a lot of control that plays in the background there. And not asking for help is also a form of control. So something very interesting that once a client told me, when we were working about different themes of... um, Uh, discovering her needs, identifying her needs, being very clear about her needs, putting boundaries, acceptance. And at some point in our process, she said, she found that she began to share more easily her views and her experiences in different conversations with, with friends. And she said, then when I started sharing, It made me realize that not sharing is a form of control. Beautiful. It is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it's it's the same thing that we can never not communicate.
1: Yeah.
0: Even not saying anything is communicating. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And I think that sense of control is huge. And I think... Sometimes we also feel bad to want to be in control. Or I hear that also from clients. And I think also there, there is this balance or this stance of playing with the sense of control. Mm -hmm. Because control can also give a sense of safety. And I think that's okay. You know, that's good, right? Mm -hmm. And then, but being aware of it, and noticing well where can we play with it where can we maybe loosen it a little bit or where can we shift something and I think especially also you know in, in, with this whole COVID situation I think there was a lot of or is still um, that sense of loss of control and that can be scary yeah and you know so it's how can we you know then feel safe and maybe there is a sense of getting a control back in some way or shape or form to feel more safe
1: Mm -hmm. right yeah and I really love that you bring that this is so important and it's also important because it's relevant to the having a sense of agency and the trauma so having a sense of agency is you can think about it as having some sense that you have control over the situation when you're experiencing trauma when you're in traumatic moments when you're extreme moments you don't have control over the situation. And this is where we lose our sense of agency. So if you had trauma in your past, then you probably learned very well how to gain that kind of control so you can feel safe. Mm -hmm. So it's really interlinked and to find the balance with that can be quite tricky. And this is where the help of a wise person, of an experienced person can be really, really relevant. If I think about my personal um, example of asking for help that I shared at the beginning, like I was experiencing nightmares every night. Like when I say that to you now, does it sound normal? (laughs) No. (laughs) But to me, it was completely normal. Like, doesn't everybody? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not, but I learned to keep at bay my own night experiences because it allowed me over my daily life to keep on going in the same way that I was when I was a child and I needed to keep control over myself because, you know, I was the responsible adult at home. I had a little sister, you know, three years younger when my mother had her crisis when I was 16 and, and then in the middle of the night she just you know, took herself and she just disappeared. She just left me alone with my sister. I needed to be in control in order to be safe. And to survive. Yeah.
0: But that's what happens with trauma response, right? What I mentioned also before is that frozen state, that freeze, right? The other thing is, is we run right like it's 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 coping mechanisms that are actually good to protect us right it's just when we constantly in that um then it's not healthy
1: yeah yeah when it's your when it's your default, yeah, then you know that you're probably missing out on something, because machines they have defaults, but as human beings, we have myriad of options. We can be so flexible. We can ha- we we can be so resilient, so flexible, so imaginative. We can come up with <laughs> the most absolutely amazing solutions to things, right?
0: Yeah.
1: But if we're stuck in a default, we don't have access to all that resource and reservoir of resources. So one thing that one one can ask herself or himself is, am I in my default now? Right? I run up into some challenge, I run up into some difficulty, I run up into some decision that needs to be made, some questions about things that I'm not... I'm I'm not in the know. I don't know how to approach or what to do. Am I running into my default mm-hmm. now? Because if I'm mm-hmm. in my default, then I'm in control. Mm-hmm. And it might make me feel safe, mm-hmm. but I don't know other forms of safety that are more spacious, that are more generous, that are more kind.
0: And I think there it comes into the beauty of asking for help and seeing and receiving different points of view and different yeah like a hum of ah oh, this is possible too ah oh. because see seeing it ourselves is so difficult
1: mm-hmm.
0: right we all have our defaults we all have our habits Habits, patterns blind spots right and and to then coming back to this what I said before in terms of a neutral person can see it from a completely different angle that we've never even like dreamt of or like could have not even seen it ourselves because we're we're so in it right we say like in German we say that you know because of all the trees we don't see the woods anymore mm-hmm. right and it's so then zooming out a little bit or with, with the help of somebody to see different aspects yeah. and I think that can be super powerful
1: absolutely and I really love that you also bring the word beauty into asking for help because that in itself can help us shift our shift our perspective around that um, around the benefits but also around the possibilities that it that it opens up one of my my clients she's probably very much like most of the listeners you know she's um, very successful in her career or very accomplished. She sees herself as an independent woman. And she's also had quite a lot of experience with different healing modalities, with psychoanalysis and and meditation. Really, she's been around the block. (laughs) And yet, she one day received an email from her colleague, and even though she knows that colleague and she knows what to expect from that person, it completely triggered her. Mm-hmm. She felt like she was in so much rage, she couldn't control herself. And she looked at herself like, who am I? Who is that person? And so we started working together and she had a big decision to make whether she wants to start to, to keep uh, in this workplace or not. And there are different considerations. And one of the things was that her partner's opinion about that was really, really mattered to her. Mm-hmm. Really mattered to her. So we looked into that. But then at the same time, she felt like, but I don't want to be pressured yeah. by that. And so I suggested to her to say to him, I need your help. And that means that I need to take my time with coming to the decision and you know what she said that would be taking too much space so i'm bringing this example because because i think that as we perhaps mentioned in the beginning for both of us and probably many others that are quite used to ask for help that this is very natural that asking for help can be A form of taking space and I think this is absolutely beautiful. It might not be easy but it is absolutely beautiful. Like yes, this is what I need in life, this is what I need from the world and I'm taking that space. And the other thing is that I don't believe in pressuring ourselves into doing something that feels unsafe. But to really be on that edge. Absolutely. And and noticing what is the 10% more that is possible for me. And the other thing that comes up from that, which you kind of like kind of like woke up in me when you said the kind of the different points of views, what she realized from that. And then, even though at the at, in the session she felt like, oh no, 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 I can't do that. That will be taking too much space. Actually, after the session, she was able to do that and to ask and say those words exactly, ex- exactly because what you were brought up. Because oftentimes I find that we actually don't know what is normal, but what is like the real normal, not what this is the society's norms, but what is normal. As human experience? What is normal as a human reaction? What is normal as a human wish? What is normal as a human ask? What is normal? So when we have this kind of like different perspectives, different points of view, we begin to feel more comfortable with ourselves because we don't feel that kind of like that awkward strange failure, singled out, whatever labels that we brought up earlier. But we understand that this is part of the human experience
0: yeah and it becomes more of this experiment and dancing and you know less of this like forcing something like you said or like have to should no it's like well let me try Mm -hmm. see what happens and then It can also become lighter and not this heavy thing of (laughs) self-improvement or, you know, personal development and all these words that are out there, but it's more of getting to know ourselves layer by layer every day better and better and that never ends
1: Absolutely, I love that so much I think just this morning in my journaling this came up gosh I not need to try and remember what it was but it was like this coming back again and again to a difficulty that I've had in being in groups Somehow, always feeling like I'm expecting to be rejected, feeling alone mm-hmm. in groups, not being understood, or being singled out because I have a different view about things or a different opinion, and then um, kind of like not fully welcome or I don't belong somehow. And this has something this has been something that i that that came up for me since the beginning of the year. So I gave it a lot of attention and I worked around it both with my own tools, but then reaching out to therapy and and having different um, kind of like peer groups where I could bring this up and explore that. And just this morning I realized that actually one of the beautiful things that I love in meeting that difficulty or, or that pain over and over again is that actually every time I get to go deeper not into the problem, of course, into the difficulty as well, but deeper into myself. Yeah, beautiful. And I think that's something that we forget. Totally. Because from that control, because of the fear of making mistakes, because as a society we're expect to always move in one linear way, one linear line forward, and never go back and kind of like revisit things, then we miss that level of depth.
0: Absolutely, and I also think it's this thing of allowing to change.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Right? It's that... And I want to talk about cultures, because I'm just thinking, I want to say, especially in the Swiss culture, and not only in the Swiss culture, but I do feel that often it's like, well, I said it, or I felt like that, or this was my opinion yesterday, two years ago, ten years ago, so today this still needs to be the same. No. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We're allowed to change our mind. We're allowed to change physically. We're allowed to change, you know, we're, we're... The only constant is change. Many people know that that's one of my favorite saying, but it is just true. And... Then it comes back to what you said, like that depth of who we are. That exploration never ends. Mm -hmm. And embracing that I feel is freedom because then it's not about I need to get somewhere and then I have quote unquote achieved it. No, it's a journey. Yeah. And I think also that takes a little bit the pressure out of because we want change, but we resist change. And if we want change, we want it now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right? Okay. Can I get my answer?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like what I had, like I wanted with my rash, I wanted answers yesterday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it definitely taught me patience and, you know, still learning patience. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I think embracing that and knowing that we are an ever-evolving being. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean... There, There is culture differences, and we don't want to ignore that because we, if we do live in a culture that don't um, emphasize asking for support or open communication in, in general, then we wouldn't even know that other pre- people are experiencing the same difficulties or the same questions that we do. Like you're in my meditation group, my, my ongoing deepening meditation group, and you know that often, you know, after we've had an experience or there's some piece of teaching or, you know, pair work, and I ask, okay, so this is a time for us to share, and maybe something come up for you, and you just want to share, or maybe you have a question, and normally what happens? There is silence mostly. When I do that in Israel, there is like. <gasps> immediately like 10 hands up in the air so yeah i don't want to ignore the cultural differences as you as you mentioned because that conditions us in a certain way and becoming aware of these conditions is another little bridge we can understand that oh okay it's not that something's wrong with me But I grew up like that, and I thought that this is normal, but my inner world tells me it's not normal to put up with that. It's not normal not to share. It's not normal not to hug. It's not normal, you know, especially hugs today. It's just, it's become such a precious, rare Luxury. (laughs) Yes, luxury.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, living in Canada and the U.S., similar, especially the US in terms of sharing, I feel people love to share. Um, But then also being, you know, I was married to a Chinese Japanese man. And that culture doesn't ask for help right they there's so much and that's beautiful there's so much pride right and I think acknowledging that and respecting that helps in interactions and knowing also that about ourselves Mm -hmm. that our upbringing our culture also depending where we lived has shaped us yeah
1: right and honoring that yeah And especially from a Buddhist perspective, um, being aware of our conditioning is a very important liberating factor. Because when we are aware of our conditioning, we can begin to ask, okay, do I have to be like that? Do I have to continue being like that? Of course, there is a lot of set of questions that follow, okay, so how do I free up myself from that? And when my clients became, come with a question of the how, I say, okay, this is a really good point because that is the next step. But let's start with the realization of what is happening right now and begin to open it step by step. It's kind of like, you know, the baby was just born and then we ask, we ask it, her or him, you know, um, can you just go to university now? <laughs> yeah, these yeah. how questions. But it's, yeah. it's important to acknowledge that when how question come up, it means that, okay, something has already shifted yeah. within yeah. me. And, and this is a really important point to acknowledge.
0: Yeah, and I also think that sometimes giving time for the how question to come. Because I think just even arriving at the point of like, I don't know how. But I just feel what I feel right now.
1: Mm.
0: And it is here. And I don't know at this point how I can change it or how I can feel different. But just acknowledging what's here and the feeling that are here without rushing too fast into the action because I think many of us the action can also be a coping
1: yeah yeah and I I think that asking for help is something that in and of itself it takes some time and space absolutely and it's a process exactly exactly it's a process and if we think about it as a process, perhaps we're again freeing ourselves from that pressure mm-hmm. of fixing th- something or finding a quick fix. And in that process in itself, we begin to open our eyes and our ears to notice that there are actually many points of help already existing in our life. We just mm, blocked them. Good point. Because we just refused asking. So we just even didn't see. didn't even hear that somebody offered us
0: well because it's also maybe not easy to receive help
1: yeah right yeah and we come back to that cycle that natural cycle of giving and receiving Mm -hmm. which in nature it exists so clearly like you put a seed in the earth and then it will come out it will produce something it will give and then it it will give back to the earth so the our earth receives and or the tree receives from its own fruits or from its own leaves like it just it just happens into the microscopic levels
0: totally yeah totally
1: there is a there is a um, a well-known joke that is really relevant to that about uh, a man that was kind of like was caught in the middle of a flood and the, he, he retreated into the into the roof to kind of like you know to, to, to run away from the the flooding and he started praying to God because he believed in God, praying to God, please help me, please help me." And then at some point the of the prayer, a boat passed by the house, and he said, "No, no, no, boat, God will save me. God will save me, please save no. me God, please save. He kept on praying and praying, praying and at some point he was still on the roof and the water kind of like coming up and leveling up and a helicopter passes by and kind of like, you know, and try to shout out and catch the man's attention. And he looks at the helicopter and said, no, God will save me and he keeps on praying and eventually the water floods him and he drowns and he dies. So he arrives to heaven completely pissed <laughs> and reaches God and he says, but I prayed for you and I believed in you so much. Why didn't you help me? And God said, what else could I have done? I sent you a boat. You didn't want it. I sent you a helicopter. You didn't want it.
0: <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. I think this is a really good way to slowly wrap this up. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much, Shelley.
1: So perhaps to wrap it up, I would like to read a poem by Mary Oliver.
0: Oh, I love
1: her. Please do. Okay. So it's called, When I cried for help. Where are you, angel of mercy? Outside in the dusk, among the flowers? leaning against the window or the door, or waiting half asleep in the spare room. I'm here, said the angel of mercy. I'm everywhere, in the garden, in the house, and everywhere else on earth. So much asking, so much to do. Hurry, I need you. Thank you. I need to take a moment because this voice of the angel, hurry, I need you, just touches me and everything that we share today. Yeah,
0: same here. Lots of gratitude to you, my
1: dear. And to you and to all of our listeners who just took part in this beautiful sharing. Absolutely.
0: Oh wow, so many good things came out of sitting on the floor with Shelly and of course Kia next to us. Thank you so so much for allowing us to be in your ears. As we believe that this is such an important topic, Shelly and I will do a follow up webinar on how do we trust ourselves so we can ask and get the help we need. If you want to know more about that workshop, please email me at hello at com. To find out more about Shelley, visit her website at shellysharon.com. And of course, all of it is also linked in the show notes. Thank you again from both Shelley and myself for your time, your attention, and for walking this path called life with us.